Oh goody, you found me. This is Let's Get Passionate and we are just about to get started. Hey, welcome to Let's Get Passionate. I'm your host, Emily Martin, and today we are joined by Harley Southen. And I would love to hear about the fancy titles that are following your name because I don't know what all of them are. Yeah, so the first one is um, Bachelor of Science. So my background is in cell and molecular biology. I'm also a registered holistic nutritionist, which is the RHN. So that is a qualification I got after completing my board exams, after doing my natural nutrition diploma. And I am also a natural nutrition clinical practitioner, which is uh, one of my designations from the Canadian Association of Natural Nutrition Practitioners. So they're pretty much all nutrition based and it's based on which regulatory boards I'm part of and what the extra credentials that I've qualified in are. They're so impressive though. It sounds so amazing. Thank you. I'm excited to talk today because like you're just this wealth of knowledge and I'm just eating what tastes good. <laughs> so I'm That's excited. That's part of it, right? Yeah. You've yeah. got to enjoy your food too. There's oh my gosh. Balance. Yes. When did nutrition start being a passion of yours? Nutrition, honestly, it didn't really happen until a lot later in life. There was a lot of trial and error. So I was born with a cleft lip and as a kid, I got to meet a lot of really wonderful doctors. I was, I had quite a few surgeries growing up to correct everything. And that really sparked my interest in medicine. And so from kindergarten onward, I was determined to become a plastic surgeon. And cool. my goal was to help people that had birth defects. And I, I remember as a kid being like, I don't want to be like a Michael Jackson doctor. Cause that's all I knew of plastic surgery at the time. I was yeah. like, I don't want to be the one that does nose jobs and like the boob things. But <laughs> boob what, things. what I really want to do is like help people, how my doctors helped me. And my family was so on board, like, that's amazing. So this whole goal of becoming a doctor started super young. And then it wasn't until my undergrad where I realized that my health just wasn't as good as it should be. I was like gaining weight and then I was breaking out and then I was stressed. And then like I was exercising all the time, but I was still gaining weight. So I reached out to my doc and she gave me everything she could under the sun. She was like, okay, maybe it's IBS. Maybe you've got this, maybe. So we went through every possible thing. And I realized that none of the answers seemed to line up and my health just wasn't, wasn't getting any better. And that's when I started to sort of turn my my research into more of the natural side. I was like, okay, if like the allopathic medical approach isn't working for me, there's got to be more in this like traditional natural medicine that's going to line up. So this is when my mind shift changed from like, Hey, I want to be a plastic surgeon. I want to be a doctor in the medical field. And I was like, maybe I want to be a naturopathic doctor. And I never really heard of it up until that point. I was doing research and I was like, okay, they work with nutrition. They work with like you know, body, mind, spirit, and like all this cool alternative world that I've never heard of. And so it was first year university is when I started to dive into this research. And by third year, I was like, okay, I want to be done schooling. So I'm either going to naturopathic medical school, or I'm going to find like sort of a midway point. And that's when I learned about the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition and decided it was a good idea to enroll in uh, my natural nutrition diploma at the same time as finishing my fourth year of university. My goodness. Because you weren't busy like, enough. Yeah, honestly, I was like, I just, I don't want to stay in school any longer. And I want to know, like, I want to put my foot in the door of this natural world before I dedicate myself to another four years of naturopathic medical school in case I hate it, in case I get there. And I'm like, this is all voodoo hippy dippy stuff. (laughs) So I, I dove into that and completed my natural nutrition diploma at the same time as my fourth year undergrad. And I wouldn't recommend that to people if anyone's (laughs) considering it. It's a lot in one year. That's where I really fell in love with the nutrition side of things and realized like as soon as my, as soon as my mindset got in there, I was like, I love this. You aligned. Um, 
yeah, like there was, it was so different. And it was honestly one of the, one of the most interesting parts was it was polar opposite to everything I had learned from the science side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, the science is still there. Like everything is backed in science. Yeah. But then we started learning about like the body mind connection, the body spirit connection. And I was like, Hmm, this is some voodoo stuff. And yeah. I remember going to one of my teachers at the time who was a medical doctor first and then became like a Reiki master and a shaman. And I was like, I don't get it. And she's like, what, what do you mean, Carly? Like, what parts don't you get? And I was like, any of this, like, where's the science that backs this? You know, my, my brain's telling my body what it should do. And my emotions are playing a role. And she's like, she's like, okay, what I want you to do, here's these research articles. And she pulled out all the things that talks about like how your body moves at like an energetic level. And I was like, okay, mm. mm, I'm, I'm on the fence with this. And this was like my thoughts. Cause I'm just learning this world from so much of like the science backed everything. And she was like, you know, that all cells are moving at a certain speed. Like everything has, um, like they're all resonating at a certain speed. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, you learn in elementary school, ice is frozen. So it's moving really slow. Water's liquid. So it's moving faster. That's how the molecules are moving. She's like, exactly. Your body's made up of molecules. So they're moving at a different speed. And I was like, okay. And she goes, you know, that feeling when you walk into a room and you know, there's tension, like, you know, it's like, Oh, there's something bad happening here. That like negative energy. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah." she goes, that's it. Everyone, everyone understands that piece of it where you walk into a room and you're like, something feels off. It's that gut instinct. It's because there's an energy in the room. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's just a saying. And she's like, no, that's science. Like that's what's happening. So when you talk about the body, mind, spirit connection, and you're having all these negative thoughts and you're thinking bad things, your body's going to feel that. So yeah. your thoughts are going to become like how it manifests in your body and the words that come out. And I was like, oh gosh. So long story, long story short, that's where my, like my passion really started to develop. And the education I got during this natural nutrition diploma was so huge because it was eye-opening that there was a whole other world I didn't know about that was connecting to my body at a different level. And it, it honestly, it took years for me to fully start to grasp those concepts where it wasn't just, here's the science. And this is the science that should work for you. There's other aspects of the science that aren't as black and white that play a huge role in people's health. And it's really cool too, how you went from wanting to be on the reactive side of science and medicine to then trying to be on the preventative side of science and medicine and how nutrition helps with the preventative side. Exactly. So yeah, it, it definitely took, it took some shifts for sure, because going into it with this mindset, like you have this condition, here's the pill you take. And then once you take that pill, you're fixed. And that's, that honestly is the theory that a lot of people go into it. If they're like, okay, so what can I take for this? Yeah. Um, I have a headache. Can I take an aspirin? Can I take a Tylenol? And it, it took this shift to realize like, why do you have a headache? Yeah. What caused the headache? because you're just putting a band-aid solution on it. There's yeah. gotta be something deeper that actually fixes the problem. Well, I haven't drinking water in three days. Is that maybe why? Yeah. I have a couple of friends that are nurses. One of them's an emergency. She's like, I had someone come in and tell me that they were sick because they'd had a headache for two days. And I asked them if they had drank water and they said, no. And I was like, really that happens. And she goes all the time it's learning those basic things that some people don't realize are actually helpful. Like when you're, when you're told go and drink water, everyone goes, okay, yeah, sure. I'll have a sip of water. But 
there's such a huge influence between having a sip of water versus actually hydrating your body. And sometimes it just takes somebody else to tell you that. It's amazing how many clients when I first start with them and I ask, you know, tell me about your day-to-day, what do you do? And they go through like the foods they're eating and, and the activities they do. And I'm like, okay, and how much water did you drink? They're like, why is that relevant? Somewhere around 70% of your body is made up of water. So if you're not getting any in your body, 70% of your body is going to struggle. Yeah. which is a whole lot. Like you're really going to feel that. Have you seen there's now like water bottles that have like little timers on them? Yes. And I think they're super great. And they have little motivational quotes as well. It's like, so keep cute. going, you've got this, enjoy yeah. your day. <laughs> you can drink this water. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, people need that. And mm-hmm. I hear often water doesn't taste good. Yeah. You're right. Like water should be tasteless, but if it doesn't taste good, what kind of water are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Are you drinking tap water? Because it comes down to like a lot of the the minerals that are available. If you get good water, you're like, this tastes good. Yeah. But when you drink, maybe it's tap water and you live in a city, you're usually getting like the chlorination. You're getting the heavy metals that are present from your, you know, 20, 30, 50 year old house. Right. So think about the quality of what you're drinking. And if it really tastes that bad to you, add something in it that makes it taste good. Squeeze some fruit into it. Like Find numbers, lemons, lemon and electrolytes. Some people don't like the mild flavors and like get a really good quality electrolyte supplement and put that in. Totally. So then this actually really simply leads into our next question, which was what are common obstacles that you recognize people have when they're trying to switch to a healthier lifestyle? Yeah, that's a great question. So the two main things I see is over expecting and under preparing. So a lot of people go into a new plan and they they're, they truly believe they need to cut everything out and do this all or nothing approach. Mm -hmm. And then if they do that for one week, they're going to feel amazing. So that expectation that these massive changes are going to make you feel good forever. Yeah. The theory there is good. You're like, yeah, I'm going to go from eating, you know, fast food every day to eating salads. The theory there, you're like, okay, I should feel better from this. But the reality is that it, it's not an all or nothing approach. And when you do it that way, it gets really, it's really hard to sustain. So when people hear, um, when people think about working with a nutritionist, they usually think of the word diet, which diet shouldn't mean weight loss. It shouldn't mean like depriving yourself. So I have to really explain to people that it's the expectation should be improving what you're eating and not cutting out everything from the get-go. And the second part is under preparing because likely by the time you start making changes in your life, you've been doing whatever diet, whatever lifestyle things for maybe 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's become a habit. So it's really easy to look in your fridge and go, okay, this is what I'm doing. It's the under preparing where you stare at your fridge and you're like, okay, this week I'm going to be eating healthy. What am I going to eat? And you stare at your fridge and you're like, what's for dinner? And when you don't have any prepared idea of what you want to do, it makes it really hard to actually stick to something. So those are two of the biggest things that I find people have the hardest time when they're adapting to a healthier lifestyle is they think they can just jump into it and commit fully and do it without any way to prepare or any support or accountability, because it's really easy to jump into something and realize it's hard and then be like, I'm done. I quit. And it's another thing to have, like, to be working with a practitioner who can say, no, 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 you're not quitting. This is what you need to do. You can keep doing it. You need that accountability, whether it's 
you know, working with a practitioner or just having a friend, a spouse, someone in your life that can be like, Hey, did you do what you said you were going to do today? And also like getting on board your spouse. Don't be bringing home donuts when I'm trying to eat healthy. Like yeah. you need that or, support too, right? Exactly. You've got to find that balance because, um, this is a, one of the big challenges I see for people that are in a relationship or they have kids at home. It's one of these misconceptions is they're like, well, I can't, I can't cut out the junk food. Like the rest of my family eats that. <laughs> well, they shouldn't. It, exactly. And excess. it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to cut it out. Like there's gotta be some kind of balance to oh, yeah. figure out if like what kind of meals you can make, that your whole family can enjoy. It doesn't yeah. have to be you sitting at the end of the table, eating your, you know, your crunchy water, which is what my, <laughs> my fiance likes to call lettuce. Um, and he's like, he's like a bowl of lettuce. Like that's not going to fill anybody. No, it's not. And so you shouldn't be sitting there eating a bowl of lettuce while your whole family's having a beautiful, like full dinner. There's gotta be, you've got to make it work for your life as well. Totally. And so this is something that I see often is people think about food in black and white and, and, you know, bad food and good food, which I hate saying. Um, and I don't like to say cheat food. You know, I'm very aware of the words associated with nutrition because there are eating disorders and that permeates, I guess, if that's the right word into that culture of diet, like you said, diet doesn't mean weight loss, but it's seeming like that that's more related than ever. And I'm wondering if you have any insight on why you think people think food is black and white like that. There's, I honestly, there's a lot of reasons. One of the biggest ones is like diet culture. It's being told that you have to look a certain way to be healthy. And there's, there's a weird balance where people think thin is healthy Mm-hmm. And it's not, Yeah, and it can be, it really depends on your body type. If you're naturally someone who's thin, um, and you've got a, you know, a really rapid metabolism, that's, that's great if that's what you want to do. But there's people who assume, you know, because you have some curves that you need to lose weight. And that's, yeah. that's not the facts. Like our society nowadays assumes that, you know, we all need to look like the Photoshopped people on the cover of magazine oh yeah. Yeah. and health is so much more than that. Health is about, you know, your physical health, your mental health, yeah. how Emotional your body health. feels like yeah. there's, there's so many aspects that when people think it's black or white and they start demonizing food. Mm-hmm. And if, if you think back over the years, there's always, you know, these this is the best food. This is the best diet. And then there's yeah. always going to be don't eat this. So for yeah. years, it was like, don't eat carbs. Carbs are so bad for you. They're going to kill you. And then it was like, okay, don't eat eggs, eggs. The yolk has cholesterol in them. And if you have cholesterol, you're going to have high cholesterol. And then you're going to have heart problems. It's so, so true. It was like, don't eat eggs. They're so bad for you. Then it was like fat. Don't eat fat. Fat's what makes you fat. So <laughs> yeah. we cut fat out of their diets and they were eating fat free, this and fat free that. Yeah. And now the mentality, like one of the biggest things right now is like a keto diet and doing high fat and low carb. The reality is, is everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone's body. And this is a huge part of what, um, what I implement with my clients is with my background in cell molecular biology. I do a lot of research into genetics. And for years I had clients have their entire um, genetic profile done. And I would look at the raw, thank you. I I'm so passionate about it and I love it. So I would look at their raw material and I would go, okay, because of your heritage, because of these genes, these are the things that your body needs more than the average person. And so without getting like too deep into the science, there's, um, you can get deep into science if you want. I'm here for it. Perfect. So with your, your genetics and your DNA, it's basically your internal fingerprint. So if you 
if your heritage is from a certain part of the world, your body is going to respond better to foods that were native to your ancestors. So amazing. Yeah. And it's even if you're born in a different country and and generations later. So when people talk about that nature versus nurture, my heritage is very like European, mostly like Irish, British, Scottish, right? So meat and potatoes were a staple for my grandparents and great grandparents. And my body does really well with them. And other people who maybe their heritage is from South America, meat and potatoes might not have been their staple. They might've been eating a lot more tropical fruits. If I go and I eat chia seeds for days on end, my body's a little bit confused. It's like, where the, how did you get from Europe <laughs> to where these things grew? How did That's you get so these funny. into your body? Right? So a big portion is looking at your heritage and what foods your body's going to respond best to. And try, I'm not saying you need to stick within that realm, yeah. but those are going to be the foods that for the most part, your body adapts to and it, and it's going to absorb the most nutrients from. Um, so sticking to those like typical traditional heritage foods based on your ancestry. Now, if you don't know where your ancestry is from, which is, it's super common nowadays, that's when genetics are really cool because yes, my body is like broadly European, let's say. So I, I respond best to those foods, but over the years you get Um, your DNA starts to change and it's called SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. So what that is, is it's like a code and there's different potential maps of this code, but your lifestyle factors and the things you're influenced by and the stress in your life, it can change these codes just a little bit. So it's like a light dimmer. Like sometimes they're fully on one end, fully on the other, or somewhere in between. So when it comes to certain foods, your body might not adapt well. And there's, that's when like, there's certain schools of thought, people who are like, I have to be vegan. And there's nothing against being vegan. If it works for your body, that was one of my like trial and errors over the years is I was vegan, um, because I was severely reacting to, um, protein and it started with chicken and then it was into beef and pork. And I re it took me some time, but I realized it's the antibiotics in our meat system, which mm. comes down to like, the quality of your food that you're getting. Yeah. And it was causing like severe, severe reactions. I was violently sick and I was like, okay, I must, I must not be good at eating meat. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to become a vegetarian. So I cut out animal protein and started feeling really good. And I was like, okay, awesome. I'm, I figured it out. Everyone should be vegan. This is the yeah. right path. Shout it from the rooftops like everyone else. Honestly, I couldn't become one of the vegans that's like a high advocacy, you know, cut out all. And as much yeah. as I love to, like, I really, truly love animals. But my reason for cutting out meat was not because of animal rights or activism. It was yeah. like, I need to figure out how I can feed myself. Because yeah. meat's without out. hurting. Exactly. Yeah. Without feeling like garbage. So yeah. I cut out meat and then it was like, okay still not feeling a thousand percent. So I'm going to cut out eggs because they were then making me sick. And then I cut out dairy as much as I could. I really love cheese. So I struggled with, uh, with cutting out dairy a hundred percent. And there, I'm going to say this into the microphone. There are no good cheese alternatives in my opinion. Honestly, (laughs) no. And I've like, (laughs) I've, I've made some when I was vegan, I was like, I need a cheese fix. So I made some like similar substitutes. Um, And I, I found some that I was like, I like this. It's good. Yeah. They have good flavors. There yeah, are some that are really it's good. It's not cheese. It's not so cheese. Stop calling it cheese. <laughs> I know it's a cheese like substance. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So that was this journey. And then, um, this was before I had had my genome tested. 
and I'm a competitive hockey player. So at during this adventure, I was playing hockey and I was like, I'm losing weight. I look good. I feel good. I've got energy. And I was thinking everything was great. And then I, I now look back at pictures. I was like, Oh my God, I had no muscle mass. Like my arms looked like pipe cleaners. Like I was just like skin and bones. And at the time I, I was like, it's cause I eat healthy and this is what healthy looks like Mm. because that's how it's portrayed. It's like, if you're totally true, if you're thin and you can wear anything, like then you must be healthy. And in my head, I was like, I look good, but something's wrong because I'm exhausted. And every time I hear of someone eating meat, like I start salivating and (laughs) I was like every vegan's nightmare. Honest. I was like, I need that. Um, <laughs> and I was playing hockey and I was like, my hockey stick's heavy. And if you've ever lifted a hockey stick, they're not heavy. They're not heavy. Most, yeah. They're, most of them are like, um, yeah, they have like, your fiberglass ones. You've got wood, like there's lots yeah. of material. They're light. They should yeah. not be. Heavy. I was lifting it. And I was like, oh my gosh, my arms. Yeah. So something was clearly wrong. And that's when I started to like get this, this realization there was more to choosing a diet and deciding it was the BL end all. And when I had my genome tested, most of what I saw was like, you can't be a vegan. You can't convert plant-based proteins into the usable form in your body. You don't digest well. And I was like, Oh, so all these like lentils and sprouted legumes and beans. And like, I just learned how to cook all these things. Now, what do I do? Yeah. And then on top of it, it was, there was a lot of other factors. One of the big ones that a lot of people don't realize is like vitamin A, for example, is one I can't convert well. So if I go and eat a carrot, everyone goes, eat a carrot. It's full of beta carotene. It's good for your eyes. It's your vitamin A, right? And it's true. They, they are, if you can absorb that, but my body can't convert beta carotene, which is the carrots form of vitamin A into the human form. So it does not. And so I needed to have animal-based proteins or supplement one or the other in order to get, which even supplementing would not have been vegan because it, I needed an animal source of vitamin A, um, in order to maintain my eyesight and to keep my skin healthy and for all the other benefits of vitamin A. So I had all these huge realizations and quickly had to switch back from being vegan and find really good sources of food. So I know this has been a really long explanation of where the diet culture sort of starts is people assume it's one way and one way only. Mm -hmm. Um, and oftentimes it's not, and being skinny does not equal healthy. It's finding what's healthy for your body and for how you, how you feel good. Cause the goal of being healthy is feeling good. If you wake up with energy, if you, you know, feel good throughout the day. If you feel like you can get the things you want to accomplish, that's healthy. Yeah. And if you're thinking good thoughts, if you're treating people around you well. Yes. So it's, it's not just appearance-based. Yeah. It's very much, it's your mental health. It's your physical health. It's every other aspect. And it's, it's huge. And how you, how you get through your day and truly feel good. Mm -hmm. So how did you get your genome tested? Like, what do they do for that? Mm -hmm you can do it at home. So I did mine through 23andMe, which, oh, it was years ago now. Um, that was one of the only ones on the market at the time. And uh, what they do is they send you back information. So there's a lot now. You can do it through 23andMe, Ancestry.com. You can go, now those are both research-based labs. So um, they use your information to help learn more about genetics. Yeah. Some people don't want that, like from a privacy standpoint. So yeah. they'll go to a diagnostic lab and have them done. So there's, um, there's a Canadian company called AOR that now has something called my blueprint. 
when you do it through a diagnostic lab, it's a little, it's a little bit more accurate, I would say, but in general, because of these snips that I mentioned, these light dimmers, yeah. things are going to change. So yes, your genetics might say this at this point, but then you can use lifestyle factors to make them change. So what I did with the research lab was more than enough to get the basic information I needed about my body. And what they share with you on, on those tests is very generalized. It's like, you have a potential history of this. You have a more, a greater likelihood of that. And so it's not black or white. And that sort of goes back to nutrition being black, right? It's not. Yeah. Um, There's some people, if you, cilantro is a great example. Oh my gosh. Don't talk to me about cilantro. (laughs) You hate it. (laughs) I don't enjoy it. Okay. So that's a genetic thing. Surprisingly, That's you so funny. have a gene that tells you cilantro tastes like bitter soap. and like soap. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, where for me, I love cilantro. I could eat it all day long. That's so funny. If my husband gets me a burrito, he knows now not to, but if he gets me a burrito and I take one bite and I'll, I'll look right at him and he'll be like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. you got the cilantro on this, didn't you? Because <laughs> it ruins it for you. Like yeah. there's no, there's no picking it out. No, it's, it's done. Yeah. So it's funny to learn those genetic sides of things and how yeah. they actually work together. I think my genetics, I believe now, and it's been a few years since I looked at them said that I likely would not enjoy cilantro. That's so funny. I love cilantro. What is, this is wrong, but it's, it's a spectrum, right? It's yeah. the likelihood is higher. So it's, it's not like going and getting blood work done where you're like, this is your marker. This is yeah. what you have. This is where you're definitively. At. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a guideline. So I would take clients raw data because those guidelines are, are helpful if you know nothing about nutrition, but when you look at the raw data, you want to look into individual genes, like, um, MTHFR is getting very popular. People are learning more about that and COMT. Like there's a lot of different acronyms for these genetics yeah. and what they mean in the body. Um, so I use that with my clients and I use it now based on statistics. So if you don't want to go and fork out a bunch of money and have your genome tested, you can still get a general idea. If I know your heritage or a little bit about your background and on top of that, I'm going to use statistics. So if it's more likely you're going to need certain nutrients because there's a certain genetic that's the most common, um, that's what I would use towards your approach. And if you feel great by adding this support in, it was something you probably needed. And if you feel no different and you're like, I still feel good, but like, I didn't notice a big change. It might not have been something you needed. Yeah. So there's really no harm in supporting the body as if it has these common genetic issues, because if you have them, you're going to feel great. And if you don't have them, you're going to feel pretty similar, but you're going to be giving your body and your organs that have to process things into the nutrients they need. They get to sort of take a backseat and relax. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, yeah. you gave me what I need. Now I don't have to work to, to create it. Yeah. That's amazing. Is there something that would shock us or, um, you know, surprise us with how symbiotically food affects our mental health? Yeah. So there's something called your gut brain connection mm-hmm. and people are learning more and more about it. And this will tie into what we had talked about, um, briefly before the podcast with, um, with natural products and how the absorption rate. So your gut, which you have to think, this is sort of an out of the box analogy. Think of yourself like a donut. I'd love to be a donut, right? Not, not a bad thing to be. Mm -hmm. So think about your body as if it's a donut, the hollow, the hole in the middle 
is your digestion. Everything that's happening in your digestion is happening inside that hole and your body is the donut on the outside. So when you eat food, as much as it feels like you're putting it into your body, it's a hollow tube from your mouth to your other end, right? Yeah. And so when it comes to your gut brain connection, if you're eating foods and your body doesn't like them. So if you're eating foods that are highly processed, instead of going through this hole of your donut and going, Hey, that's what I need. That's what I want. And absorbing it into the donut to make you feel good. It's likely flying right through you. So if you're someone who eats certain foods and you're like, okay, it flew through me. I ran to the bathroom. It didn't do well. Yeah probably something your body didn't want. Right. And if you're eating foods and you get, you know, bloated or gassy, that distension, that discomfort is because on this inner tube, you're causing irritation, you're causing inflammation. And to get into a little bit more of the science, your, your digestive tract is lined with parietal cells. So they're these cells that are kind of like a lock and key mechanism. So if you web your fingers together, if they're really close, that's what you want things to be. You want that seam to be close. So your body can only absorb the foods that are really good for it and the things it wants. And what happens is when you eat things, your body doesn't want, they inflame these cells. And when they're inflamed, it's like taking your fingers that are latched together and pushing them really hard. Mm. And you, they start to pull apart. You start to create these gaps. Um, And these are from like a cellular level uh, are called tight junctions. So when you're eating foods that are inflaming these cells, they're puffing up and they're creating little tiny holes all along your insides. And so foods that are too big to get into your bloodstream are somehow getting through now. And Mm. that inflammation is causing irritation at all levels. Yeah. So when you connect that back to your, your gut brain connection, if your gut's really inflamed and if it's sore and you're you know, you're having gas and bloating or constipation, diarrhea, and you're getting really, you feel uncomfortable when you eat, or you have heartburn, you have GERD, like all the different symptoms. It's, it's an indicator that something is not working well from the inside, from this inside of the donut hole. Yeah. And when that gets into your body, your body signals get skewed. So instead of saying, Hey, thanks, you ate some really great food. And now my brain feels good because it has the nutrients it needs. It's going in and it's like, what the heck did you feed me? What is yeah. this giant molecule that slipped through the cracks that shouldn't be here? Yeah. Get rid of it. And yeah. your body will either do that through sending it out really quickly and sending you running to the bathroom, or it will divert it to other areas in your body. And when it starts to do that, you get more and more inflamed, which causes this connection to get more and more skewed. And then when you get to your gut health, gut health has a huge part to do with the healthy gut flora. So everyone's heard about probiotics now and the benefit of them. When that, those um, tight junctions inside your body. So in that donut hole, if that part's all inflamed and things aren't working well, the probiotics that should be there to fuel your body, because we have more probiotic, more bacterial cells in our body than we have human cells. There should be tons. Yeah. There should be tons in your gut, but modern society, we're hyper clean. We're hand sanitizing every single day. Now with everything going on, most people are cleaning their homes with chemical cleaners. Like everyone wants to be very clean and sterile. Um, and the trouble with that is your probiotics have a huge part in your immune system and making you feel good. So when everything's sterile, you're, you're ingesting those sterilizers. 
um, including antibiotics. Every time you get sick, if you've been put on an antibiotic at any point in your life, not just recently, you've killed off some of that healthy flora. So when that dies, probiotics are a huge part of what allows your neurotransmitters, which are your, all the things that control your brain when they're, when they've died off and you don't have enough probiotics or when your gut's inflamed, they're no longer helping you produce the the neurotransmitters that make you happy. Yeah. So So that's where it starts to really trigger the mental health stuff. Yeah. Is there a connection between like serotonin levels and gut flora? Yeah. So most of your serotonin, I believe it's 90% is made in your gut. That's amazing. So if you're scary, it's yeah, it's, it's a combo because if your guts off, if you've been on an antibiotic recently, um, or, or at any point in the last, let's say 10 years, you've never taken a probiotic to help reflourish that. Um, or you're, you know, you're using bleach and you're cleaning your home with Lysol and all the like really strong cleaners. Yeah what happens is you kill off more and more of that. And when there's less healthy gut flora and when your gut's inflamed, the ability to produce your serotonin is incredibly decreased. And for anyone listening that doesn't know what serotonin is, it's, it's one of your happy neurotransmitters. It's a Mm. a huge role in your ability to be happy, maintain your mood. It also plays a huge role in your sleep as well. It's one of the precursors to melatonin. So if that's interesting, yeah. So if you're someone who struggles to fall asleep, and you're popping melatonin at night, your, your body should be able to produce that naturally. But if your serotonin's low, you're going to have a harder time falling asleep as well. That's interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah. It's pretty cool how it all connects, but that's, that's why mental health is so important. And that's why when people are struggling with, with their weight or struggling with their mental health or with, let's say eating disorders, that's why mental health support is such a huge component of that because it's all connected. Yeah. And something too, that this makes me think about is like food security and poverty and nutrition from that standpoint of mental health and just like the cycle that it creates. And it's so unfortunate that it is so hard to break. You'd have to literally break yourself out of low income poverty, eating better nutrition to then get better health. And, you know, like it's just this whole system that needs to be paid attention to. Exactly. And what's, super interesting about it is there's a lot of diseases of affluence. Mm. So it's people who have an affluent life. They are not in any financial constraints. They're actually more likely to get certain diseases like heart disease or cancer. Mm. And it's less to do with the money coming into their income. It's more about the availability of the foods that they're getting. So for years and in a lot of other countries, people idolize weight. So if you can eat a lot, if you're heavier, it's because you can, you're affluent, you have the money to afford all the food. We're in um, a lot of third world countries. If you're really thin and you're struggling to keep weight on, it's because you couldn't afford the food. And that's part of that, that connection. But the people who live below the poverty line are living in a third world country. They tend to have healthier body and not from every aspect, but healthier bodies when it comes to these diseases of affluence. So I spent some time in Africa, the mental health of people who were living below the poverty line was fantastic. Like you didn't, you didn't meet a lot of people that were sad because they didn't have a mansion or sad because they didn't have a brand new pair of shoes. Yeah. They were happy because they didn't care. They didn't feel the need to have all of these 
luxury items. But when you live in North America, you get used to this mentality that we need this. We need the newest, the biggest. More next. Yeah. Yeah. More, more the next. And because everyone here is so hyper focused on being clean and sanitary, we've now killed off a lot of our healthy flora. So this brings us back to the last point. Yeah. We've killed off that healthy flora. So our br- gut brain connection's not great. We're people who are living in other countries and they're eating with their hands and they're what we would think of. And we're like, oh my gosh, you, like, you've got to clean your hands before you have dinner. You can't mm-hmm. eat food with your fingers. Yeah. We, we see that as like a cultural norm where we're like, no, you have to like, you have to be clean before you eat. You have to scrub your dishes and make sure there's no bacteria and germs on them. Yeah. Where in other worlds, they don't do that. And their gut health is so much better. Their ability yeah. to digest is better. Their mental health tends to be better as well. So it, it's this strange cycle where it greatly depends on where you live and what your influences are. Yeah. And so we've touched on this like throughout the entire conversation, but just point blank. How do you ensure um, body positivity? Like if someone comes to see you and they're what they would consider overweight and they have this image in their mind of wanting to be skinny, how do you kind of make that realistic for people? It's very individual. So for some people, um, and I find this more with like middle-aged women where they have this concept that um, their self-worth is very dependent on their appearance. And a lot of the women I've worked with have said to me like, I really need to lose weight because I've hit menopause and now I'm gaining weight and I feel awful and I look awful. But the reality on the other end of that is if they were to lose weight and and you are aging, your health sometimes goes with it. So there's gotta be a balance between the two and what in your mind, you're like, I looked like this when I was 20 and I wanna get back to that. The reality changes because our bodies are are working differently and they yeah. need different things. So I've said this, I, I had this great conversation with one of my clients where I said, if you were to lose the weight and get back to your, your goal weight of when you were back in high school, you have to realize that cosmetically, if you're not going to look like you were in high school. Yeah. So when you have a little bit of extra weight, your wrinkles are filled out cosmetically. Yeah. You're like, okay, I look good. As yeah. you lose weight, those wrinkles are going to appear deeper. You're collagen in your skin has been reduced, right? Yeah. So it's finding that healthy balance because I've had people where it's very cosmetic based. They're like, I want to be skinny because I want to look better and my self-worth depends on it. Right. And then it's talking about, um, to people about what does healthy actually mean to you? Yeah. Like what, how will you feel when you've lost that weight? Do you think everything Mm -hmm. in your world is going to turn around? What's dream you in five years from now? Because everyone's picture of success and their goals is different where for one person in five years from now, all I care about is losing the weight. I'm likely not the best practitioner to work with. And I'm, I'm really straightforward about that because, because there has to be a balance. Right. And that's why I've had people. Um, I have quite a few friends that are very active in the gym community and they're like, I want to do a fitness competition. Can you train me for that? And I won't. And it's, it's not because I couldn't do it. Um, it's because my core values don't align with that. And I think it's really important to stay true to that because the aftermath and this challenge you put your body through is very hard. And I've, I've chatted with trainers who have gone and done that and they do it. Um, people who work from a fitness standpoint, their goals are very different than how I work as a holistic practitioner because they're worried more about the outside and you're worried more about the inside. Yeah. So as a holistic practitioner, you might come to me and say, my goal is I want to lose weight and I can help you with that, but 
at a surface level, weight's a symptom. Weight isn't, I eat everything in sight and now I've gained weight. It's your body. Your body doesn't want that. So there's something going on at a root level that needs to be addressed first. So I don't, I don't focus on calories or on, you know, your macronutrients and how much you need of this and weigh your food, because that's not sustainable. You don't want to do it for the rest of your life. Totally. And calories aren't equal. There's the calories in calories out debate is so huge because (laughs) you could go and you could eat 25. We're going to use donuts because we've just had a good reference. You could go and eat 25 donuts and, and hit a certain amount of calories, but try and do that with vegetables. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, the you'd have a truckload of vegetables to try and hit the same calorie quantity. Yeah. So they're not created equal. And that calories in calories out isn't, doesn't work out because if you focus on the number of what's on your plate and you go, okay, today I'm only going to eat 1500 calories. And then I'm going to burn 1500 at the gym. I'm going to follow my fitness tracker. And, and that's going to tell me, so then I'll lose weight. The theory of that might sound good, but you also, you need calories to live. So foods that are zero calories, what on earth are you eating? Like calories, yeah. Calories (laughs) and energy measurement. It's not, everyone thinks of it as like this nutritional thing where it's like calories means food. It doesn't, it's a scale of energy and what your body takes to burn that food. So if you're eating things that are zero calories, that's zero energy coming into your body. Yeah. It's doing nothing. If anything, it's, it's probably doing harm than it is good. Yeah. People can lose weight and still be healthy. People can maintain their weight and be healthy. And then there's some people where health, their, their goal of health in their mind is I need to lose weight to feel better. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, it's deeper than that. It's why don't you feel good now? Is it your energy level? Is it that you're having trouble sleeping? You can't stay yeah. productive. You, you just feel really low on yourself because then it, when you address that root cause on why you think you're not healthy and what you honestly think needs to change, you can address the deeper issue. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things I work with is people's energy levels and energy is a symptom. It's very surface level. And it's why, um, everyone knows if, you're having certain issues. You need to go and see a specific practitioner. So if you're like, I'm having troubles with my eyesight, you go and you see your optometrist. If you're like, Hey, my back hurts. Maybe you go to like a massage therapist or a chiropractor osteopath, you know, who the expert is for certain things. But when you have low energy, most people are going to go to a doctor and say, my energy is low. And they're like, okay, well sleep better. Here's a sleeping pill. Try to eat better. Or maybe you need to lose weight. Like those are the main things people hear. And energy is a huge symptom of all the different things. It's your body's like first warning sign where it's like, something's not working. You need to figure out why and what you can do next. Um, so that's when it comes to clients that are, um, looking for weight loss and body positivity, the biggest thing is figuring out what that means to them. What do they want to see themselves as in five years? And how am I going to help them get to that goal? Because more often than not, the goal actually isn't weight loss. The goal is that I want more energy because I yeah. feel like crap. And I want to feel better about myself. Exactly. Yeah. Or I I feel like because I'm heavy, I can't get the things done that I want, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's weight is a symptom of something else. Yeah. So is it, do you have no energy? Do you feel like you can't get things accomplished because that gut brain connections off? Or maybe it's that your body has been absorbing so many toxins over the years. It's just really working slowly. It's very mm-hmm. sluggish. So it's, it's deeper and it's very individual on how you get to that outcome. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy what you said about weight being a symptom 
because I remember one time I heard someone use the comparison of you stepping on the scale after eating a cheeseburger versus stepping on the scale after drinking two gallons of water, your scale doesn't know what you've eaten. Your scale does not know if you're healthy or if you're not. Yes. And your scale is a liar. (laughs) (laughs) People hop on the scale and assume that that has more to do with their body than anything else. And it doesn't. Your scale is an indicator, yes, of how much you weigh. And that's it. If you are a competitive bodybuilder and you step on a scale and you have, let's say 12% body fat, your scale is going to say you're morbidly obese. Yeah. You yeah. Look at your scale. You're going to compare it to like the, your body mass index. And you're like, Oh, I'm obese. Something's wrong with me. You're not your muscle for starters weighs more than fat and it takes up less space. So if someone's really concerned about weight loss, get rid of your scale or hide it because that really triggers that that mental health component where you can fixate on the number on the scale, Yeah. find a pair, your favorite outfit, put it on. And then as you work through things, try that outfit on. And if that outfit feels better, if you feel more comfortable and more confident in it, that's going to be a better indicator than what's going to be set on your scale. Because if you are exercising and you're gaining muscle mass, the number on the scale might go up. The other thing is it really has to do with what's influenced you. So if you weigh yourself first thing in the morning on an empty stomach and you're dehydrated because we do dehydrate as we sleep, your number is going to be probably the lowest. And if you weigh yourself after dinner, it's going to be a lot higher. Yeah. So that from a mental health perspective is a trigger for you, get rid of your scale because if you're weighing yourself daily or multiple times a day and you're like, oh my gosh, the scale went up, the scale went down. If you didn't have a bowel movement today, your scale is going to go up. If if you're like female, if you're on your cycle, if you're at certain times during your cycle, your scale is going to fluctuate based on that as well. So it's a really poor indicator of health. Yeah, that's so true. It's like you said, just only telling you one scientific thing of weight or measured thing of weight and nothing else. Yeah. We need to talk about the ultimate energy method. Yes. Tell me about it. The ultimate energy method is a program that I develop out of all of my years of research and trial and error and everything, every one of my clients ever struggled with. So I wanted something, um, especially with the world going so virtual, I wanted something that could fit into people's lives that they didn't need me sitting in front of them to help them with that assessed every area people struggle with. So some of the big things I found was People don't know what to eat or why they're eating it. The whole program, ultimately, it's a 13-week program and it addresses your energy level, which, like I said, energy is a symptom of something else. So it's really addressing every possible thing. I've had clients go through it that have had hormonal imbalances or they've lost their libido or they want to lose weight or be more productive at work and they they don't feel like they can focus. I've had people go through it because they're marathon runners and they're like, I have nothing left in me. And so it addresses everything and it does it step-by-step online program that you work through where you, you learn why you're doing what you're doing. Because for me and for quite a few of my clients, just saying you're going to do this. They go, why? Mm -hmm. Because if you're, there's some people, if you're told what to do, they're like, okay, got it done. there's other people that need to understand why. And I'm one of them. I need to know why I'm doing it. It needs to make sense to me before it's something I'm going to do and stick with. So there's the education aspect and then there's an action task. So every time you learn something, there's a task to go and implement it because it's great to have all the knowledge, but 
we have Google nowadays, you can go and Google all the knowledge you want, but you need to know what to do with that knowledge and how to implement it into your life. And the program is for created for really busy people. Um, So I often, I often talk to CEOs, business executives, just really high performing professionals who need to be on their A game. Yeah. Who are like, I don't have time to implement something in my life. I'm busy. Um, often I've had quite a few moms do it as well. Cause they're like, I've got kids at home. I don't have time to sit and learn a whole new thing. I, I don't have free time. So they yeah. need to figure out how to implement it into their busy life. And that's the goal is that it's going to be quick and actionable mm-hmm. and easy to follow. So I do everything in a, in a specific order to help address your sleep, your nutrition, your energy levels, your grocery shopping. Um, what's, what are you doing in your house? What are the lifestyle things that need to change? And it's all sort of wrapped up in one program that has accountability. So there's um, constant check-ins to make sure that you're sticking with it. You're following through. We do a weekly group coaching call as well, where any clients that are in the program can come on and chat with me because everyone's individual. Your biochemistry that makes you who you are is not one size fits all. That's why genetics plays such a huge role is your lifestyle might need some modifications to suit everything. So you get that opportunity to get that one-on-one support as well. There's uh, a sense of community because it's really hard to do it alone. So either people come into the program and they're like, my best friend's doing it with me or my spouse, they have that accountability or they dive into it and they're like, I need somebody who understands what I'm going through and understands these challenges. So there's that sense of community to work with other people going through the same thing. And then I assess the genetics as well. So without having every client go and do their whole genome, um, I do a little intake with everyone and get a background of their heritage, their history, and what they sort of need individualized for themselves. So there's supplement options that I I basically fine tune a supplement protocol. And um, a lot of people have questions about supplements, whether they need them, whether they don't. The goal with the supplements is to bypass genetics if you have those genetic factors, because oftentimes you can't do it from food alone. And on top of it, if you have a very busy life, it's sometimes hard to get the nutritional requirements you need to get all of the, all of the things into your body. So supplements are, are not meant to, as a substitute for a good diet, they're meant to help give you that extra boost. And the goal is not to be on them forever. There's certain ones that based on genetics, you might need for longer periods of time, but when you have a busy life, you don't have time to wait six months to realize that, Hey, now I feel better. Yeah. You want to start feeling that like yesterday. Yeah. So yeah. it's a way to sort of jumpstart the prog, um, the progress and start feeling good sooner. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like a general overview of the ultimate energy method. And it's the parts that I included were all based on clients I was working with who said, Hey, this is my challenge. I need somebody to kick my butt and keep my butt in gear. Yeah. And I had other people that were like, I need to learn like, I don't want to follow a nutrition plan for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't know how to do that on my own. Yeah. And so it's teaching you how to adapt from here's your, your baby steps. Here's your plan. How do you make this your own? How do yeah. you look in your fridge and go, okay, here's what I have. How do I make a meal out of all of this yeah. that helps my body instead of just throwing like mac and cheese on the stove? Yeah. So it's learning those skills that you can continue to implement lifelong. Um, yeah. And that's why my my like private Facebook group is lifelong energy for all. Cause when people think diet, they think short-term they're like, okay, yeah. I'm going to do a diet. I'm going to do a six week or I'm going to do a 30 day challenge. And then I'm back to my life. Yeah. But you want something that you can implement that works for your whole family, yeah. that you can continue lifelong and just continue to feel good. Totally. And I love that you've included um, grocery shopping and kind of like that meal prep side of things, because you want to set yourself up for success. Right. And if you're 
failing to plan, then you're planning to fail is what I've exactly. always heard. Yes. So um, at the beginning of our podcast here, I had talked about like, that's one of the biggest challenges over expecting and under preparing. Yeah. And it's, there's so much information out there. It's really hard to fine tune what's right, what's wrong. And how do I do that? Because people come in, they're like, I don't have energy. I just need to fix my sleep. I don't sleep well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to work on that. Cause sleep is crucial to everything, yeah. but why aren't you sleeping well? Like, what are the, is it because you have too much to do in your day and you're, you're not planning it well? Is it that you're sitting at night and you're stressing about tomorrow? Like what are the lifestyle factors? Do you have things that are actually affecting your body's ability to fall asleep and stay asleep? Is it like, there's so many factors that play a role. So my goal is to address them from every aspect. And that's why when we have our group coaching call, everyone's questions are different. Like I've had some people where they, they want more energy, but they're like, I'm breaking out and I really don't get it. So we work on that at the same time or people that come in and they're like, Hey, I'm running three businesses and I don't have time for anything in my life right now, let alone making meals. Mm -hmm. So how do I do this? And you've got to figure out, you know, where to delegate, where to um, spread your time evenly. So you can focus on the things that you as a professional have to do. You've got to make yourself a priority in order to help everyone around you. Yeah. There's always going to be excuses, right? It's about if the uh, end goal can push past those excuses. Yeah. And it's, you've got to match it up because everyone's, I'm going to call it limiting beliefs. Everyone's things that they truly believe are, are true to their world. They, they are like, when you have a belief, you're like at this point in your life, at your awareness level, that really is an obstacle for you. And so let's figure out how from, from me as a practitioner, how I can help you get over that this into your life, how yeah. I can help you move past this, because yeah. it's not just about eat good food and feel better. There's more to it. Like there's such a huge component on figuring out how to make everything line up. And sometimes it doesn't because you feel like crap. When you feel like crap, trying to line everything up in your life and then over scheduling yourself, which is a huge problem. Most of us have yeah. is that that's where life gets difficult because the things that take the back burner are usually your health first, because if you've set priorities for other people, you don't want to let anyone else down. Totally. So it's very easy to neglect your own goals and your own health to help support others first. Totally. What are some simple switches that you can recommend, um, that in general people could benefit from? I think we've talked about drinking water. Water's huge. So I assume that maybe you'll bring that up, but what yeah. are some simple things that people could take away from this? Water is one of the biggest ones. Get good quality water. If you're drinking tap water, and I'm not talking about a Brita because Britas are great. They're just deodorizers though. So they're not actually cleaning the water. Um, Some of my favorites, if you're looking into it, is um, I I personally use a Santivia filter because it actually takes your, um, the hormones, the um, bacteria, parasites out of your water on top of chlorine, fluoride, everything else. Can you say the name of that again? Yeah, that's the Santivia filter. Okay. So um, S-A-N-T-E-V-I-A. Okay. So I use their countertop one. It's big, it's bulky, but you want clean water, but you also want minerals in it. The other yeah. one is the Berkey filter. It's this big stainless steel one as well. It has fantastic reviews. I personally have not used it. Um, but from the research I heard, it actually takes out more fluoride from your water. Or sorry, sorry, Santivia takes out more fluoride okay. from your water than the Berkey filter. And 
Um, I grew up out in the country. So when I moved to the city, I was like, I don't want the fluoride in my water. Cause when yeah. I was on hot water, it wasn't a concern, but in a city, most of the water is fluoridated and chlorinated. So I wanted that out. Um, so get a good water filtration system. Some people will also do reverse osmosis, which is absolutely fantastic. The only downside is it removes the minerals from your water. Mm. So when you do that, you need to add the minerals back in. And my favorite tip for that is adding pink salt or Himalayan salt yeah, because it actually contains a large amount of your trace minerals, depending on the brand you get some, some of them say around 86 trace minerals. Wow. So add a little bit to your water and it should not taste like salt water that you gargled with when you had a sore throat. <laughs> you just want enough. And my best explanation is the water will feel kind of slippery mm. when you drink it. It just yeah. like, if you have a water softener at home and you've drank that water, it's got a slippery feeling to it. Right. So add a little bit to your water because that'll help you absorb the water better. It'll help you from having to pee a million times a day and it helps you hydrate better. So that's awesome. my first tip one. number one. Tip number one. The second biggest one is don't focus on removing. Don't look at your, your meals and whatever you have and go, okay, what can I get rid of to make this healthier? Think about what you can add in, pick a meal that you have at home. Okay. So something that we love to make, um, and I will pick a healthier thing that we eat. Um, we love to make Buddha bowls. So we do like rice in the bottom. Sometimes I'll do tofu. Sometimes I'll do chicken. We do like broccoli, um, edamame. I put salt on it. Maybe like a Thai peanut sauce. Like that's nice. one of my faves. That's awesome. Buddha. I love Buddha bowls. Cause they're, yeah. they're easy to throw together and totally. they're easy to adapt. So yeah. if someone was new at making a Buddha bowl, they might look at it and they're like, okay, I've got to cut out the unhealthy. What parts are unhealthy? The biggest thing is take a look at what you can add to it. Is there a protein? Mm-hmm. Is there a healthy fat? Because fats are crucial for helping your body sustain energy. They're also crucial for balancing your metabolism. So you want to add those in. And then on top of it, where are my vegetables coming from? Yeah. Because that's, that's one of the things that a lot of people look at a meal and they're like, I know I should have a vegetable. How do I add a vegetable to this? Mm-hmm. So or which out- one? Or which one, right? Yeah. bowls are nice because you can kind of throw anything into it. Yeah. I know a lot of really busy families will often do like mac and cheese. And I'm, I'm going to use that as a reference just because it's sort of a staple in a lot of households. Mm-hmm. If you have mac and cheese, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's not your ultimate meal. You know that when you're yeah. making it. It's yeah. like, I don't have time in my day to figure out anything else. I'm going to throw mac and cheese together figure out which option you're going to go with first. Like I personally, I keep Annie Ann's mac and cheese in the house because it's organic, which I didn't dive into that, but organic, so you get a little bit more nutrients for what, uh, than you would with craft dinner, which has been highly processed, right? The organic dairy, your body will process better than processed chemical-based dairy. And I'm not a big proponent for dairy, but if you're doing it, go with an organic one. So say you have Annie Ann's mac and cheese, where's your protein coming from? Like cheese is the cheese in it is not enough protein. So figure out if you're going to add in chicken or something else. And if you're like, okay, I don't have time to add much. What's some vegetables you can throw in it because yeah, it's still mac and cheese, but you still want the vitamins and the minerals you're going to get from those vegetables. So throw in some broccoli, throw in some spinach, like take a look at what you can add as opposed to going, Oh, mac and cheese isn't a healthy meal. I didn't do good tonight. Yeah. Don't write it off. Yeah. Don't write it off. Do as best you can but make sure every meal has a healthy fat, a protein and a vegetable. Yeah. Um, and just as a quick example, cause I know we're just about at a time, quick example for healthy fats, like throw in avocado. If you don't like avocado, olive oil, don't cook with olive oil. And I, um, I have a blog post on that, that I can tag you to, if you'd like, yeah. 
don't cook with avocado, but like throw in something healthy because what that does is when you eat a, a starchy carb, something that's going to spike your blood sugar or any carbs really, that's going to spike your blood sugar. When you pair it with a healthy fat, it slows the release of the sugars from that carb into your bloodstream. Hmm. And what that does is it helps maintain your satiety. So you still stay full longer than you should. And when you don't spike your blood sugar, you don't throw off your hormones, making you think, oh my gosh, that was great. I feel fantastic. I need to eat more sugar now. I need more mm. carbs because all carbs turn to sugar in your body. So right. when you pair it with that healthy fat, it helps regulate your body's response to it. So you feel better for longer and you, you use those nutrients better. Yeah. And so that was from putting olive oil on top, like just drizzling it across your yeah. meal. Drizzle it. So or I, if you do um, want to cook with fats, like ghee, which is clarified butter is a fantastic one. Um, if you're vegan or vegetarian, you want to avoid animal-based fats. You can do avocado oil, coconut oil. They're really great mm. for high heat cooking. Yeah. So don't be scared of fat. Fat is good for you. And yeah. when you pair that fat, it takes longer for your body to absorb those nutrients. So you'll stay full longer. It is the number one source of fuel for your brain, which is why keto is such a big thing right now. But you want to help balance all your levels. So you don't right. want to get rid of carbs. Carbs are still good for you. Your body still needs them specifically women. Don't cut out your carbs or you're going to throw off your hormones and you're going to feel like garbage. You're going to get oh, no. PMS. Yeah. So you still need that healthy balance, but pair it with a healthy fat. Right. And so where can our listeners learn more about what you do? Yeah. The best way to get in touch with me is through either Facebook or Instagram. Um, my tag for both is Carly South and nutrition. So it's C A R L I E and then South and S O U T H I N nutrition. Um, so perfect. N U T R I T I O N. If you can't head. figure it out, you're not going to find it though. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So Carly South and nutrition, you can also request to join my free private Facebook group, lifelong energy for all. There is a quick questionnaire when you, when you request to join, but you get, we do like weekly recipes, challenges. I'm going to be bringing in some, some guest hosts as well to help do some Facebook lives and some great information. Uh, those would be the, the top methods. You can also email me. So it's info at carlysouthin.com. Shoot me an email, say hello. Um, I do my best to respond within, you know, 48 hours and uh, yeah, reach out with your questions. I'm so excited. I hope that some listeners reach out to you because like the science behind everything that, you know, is just like so much more than we've gotten to talk about. And I could honestly talk to you about this for hours. So thank you so much for coming on here. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed chatting with you and getting to, to share all this information. Yeah. It's become my passion to help people express their passion. So I hope you enter the rest of your day and just kill it with the positive attitude you leave here with. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to listening to this podcast. I know. I'm so excited. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so Take much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you learned something new. Hit follow or subscribe to get my weekly episode and add me online. It's Let's Get Passionate on both Facebook and Instagram. Have a beautiful day.